Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Acts in chapter number 9, if you would please. Acts in chapter number 9, as we stand in honor of God's Word tonight. Acts in chapter number 9. I hope you'll join us for the ice cream fellowship. Shouldn't have to twist arms about ice cream, right? That's just, that's a given. Somebody might say, yeah, if you'll preach fast so it doesn't melt. It's all right. Looking forward to the fellowship time and sure thank God for our new members and want to help them to feel very welcome. That's our main goal and purpose and uh, have some time with them, get acquainted and to help them to get acclimated here to Southwest. It's very good. Brother Ron, thank you so much for the report there and, uh, and it's marvelous how God works in the midst of these uh, trials and, and situations of life and how the Lord is using different people and uh, just marvel at how God uh, works in the midst of those situations and testimonies here in this very congregation as well of God's protection and help in their life. And Brother Lindsay mentioned about uh, funds that have come in from all over America. We too, uh, Lindsay could testify and and I, uh, Brother Mark could correct me here, but I believe it's close to $90,000 that has come through and we've distributed about 40 some thousand of that. And and so maybe if, in fact, I don't, uh, of course, mind to mention this, that if you might know of someone that is in need, and it's, a, you know, of course, a, a legitimate situation there, and I know many of them, their, um, their insurances have taken care of a good amount of that. We try to take care of deductibles and all kinds of other things just to try to be a help. Um, but it's, uh, it's such a, a blessing how people have responded. You know, just uh, some churches I've never heard of, pastors have never heard of who have said, you know, we just want to be a help and have taken a special offering and sent it here and other, other churches to try to be a blessing. And that, that's, a, that's a glory to God. And so in any case, if we could be a help to someone, and it, certainly it could even turn into an opportunity for the gospel's work in their life. Well, Acts chapter 9 and verse number 32 tonight, new territory for the gospel. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 32. And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down also to the saints which dwelt at Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. So what that's indicating, of course, is that for eight years he'd been confined to his bed, unable to walk. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwelt in Lydda and Saron saw him, and notice this, and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come unto them, that come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them when he was come. They brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by, weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed 
And turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. And then chapter 10, just to make reference to it by verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all of his house. And it goes on there, the story about Cornelius and how the door of salvation was open to the Gentiles. It's a tremendous, tremendous chapter. And you can tell by the length of the chapter in chapter 10 that this is a very significant event that Luke records. But the precursor to that, leading up to it, would be chapter 9, verse 32, and through the remainder of the chapter, through verse number 43. And this is showing us that the gospel is once again about to go into new territory. And it's an exciting account of two individuals, one that was healed and one that was brought back to life. And many who were saved. It's a joy. So let's uh, trust that God will bless his word. And as you're seated, we'll get right into the message here today. In the first part of chapter 9 of Acts, we consider this title, Brother Ananias, Meet Brother Saul. If you remember that, Brother Ananias, Meet Brother Saul. Well, Brother Ananias didn't, wanna have, didn't, wanna, didn't want to have a whole lot to do with Brother Saul. A new member to the family of God, but he was skeptical, wasn't he? You remember that? And, and he didn't want to reach out his hand and, and uh, in the terms of fellowship to be a help to him. But what we need to remember, just as it was then, it is now that we need to go to them, not away from them. Those that are saved and that need some direction and need help. And so thank God that Ananias overcame his fear and went to Saul. And God obviously... Uh, use Saul in a tremendous way. And then uh, in the last time we were in, in Acts, we considered this title, The Soil of Spiritual Growth. The Soil of Spiritual Growth. And, the, and that soil is very often adversity, difficulty. And that's what the church was facing at that time. And, and yet it was in that time of adversity that they saw growth. Numeric growth, yes, but also just spiritual growth in their own individual lives. And, and adversity, difficult times, just as we were talking about here just a, a few moments ago. Adversity can be a great time of growth if you'll turn to the Lord and if believers will turn to one another and help. It can be a great, great time of spiritual growth. So that leads us up to verse number 32 here in, in Acts chapter 9. And this being the last part of chapter 9, it is preparing us... Really, it's preparing us for chapter number 10. The focus is shifting from Saul, and it's, focus, it's focusing now uh, back once again on Peter and how that he's being led by God uh, to do something great, and thus the scene is being set for something tremendous, something good. And I don't mind to wait on, uh, on things to kind of be prepared as, as long as you know that it's going to be something good. For example, today, lunch, you know, you come home and and uh, coming in from, from church, well, it may take a little bit of time for it to be set on the table. That's all right because you know it's going to be good. 
Just have to wait on it. A lot of preparation, a lot of things goes into it, and a lot of, a lot of effort to get it on the table. And, and so here's what God is doing. He's setting the table, so to speak. He's setting the scene uh, for something that is going to be great. The gospel is about to advance into new territory. This new territory, as Peter goes to the coastal region, there on the Mediterranean Sea, that, that area, the coastal region, which would be West Israel, uh, the gospel went from Jerusalem, and now it's going north and west, uh, further there to the uh, to the, that coastal region. So it's getting further and further away from Jerusalem. That's exactly what God intended for the gospel to do. The gospel was made to travel, and the gospel, by the way, it needs to advance today, and it's to travel from this church to the streets that are here in Oklahoma City and beyond that to the entire world. That is just God's plan, of course as you know, for the gospel. And I want to thank God tonight that the gospel is advancing into some new territories. I think about the Pembertons and what God is doing in their life and doing through their life. Well, the gospel is advancing in a new territory. And the same would be true of other missionaries as they take the gospel to other regions. And so we certainly ought to pray for these individuals. But tonight I I want you to see how it is that the gospel does advance into these new territories and how it applies to your life, how God moves the gospel. And now as we give our attention here to Peter and what took place, you'll see the movement and the work of God through the gospel in a couple individuals' lives. The first one that we saw as we read there in verse 32 through 35 was a man named Aeneas. Aeneas, uh, he lived in a city called Lydda. It's about uh, uh, just about 20 some miles northwest of, um, of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us that he had been uh, paralyzed for eight years. Can you imagine what that would be like? For eight years, you'd not been able to move about, of course, as you maybe once were. Evidently, there was a time when he was healthy. But, but now for eight years, he'd been confined uh, basically to his bed. Others, no doubt, to help him in and out and to move about. And so he's, he's confined by his physical limitations. Each Tuesday morning here at Southwest Baptist Church, there's a a group of individuals that come and they go out and they make visits uh, to some individuals that are in our church membership who are uh, on our shut-in list. And I just want to thank God for those that come out on Tuesday morning and other times of the week, but they visit some folks that, that once were able to come to church but no longer are able to. Listen, God cares about those who are confined. God cares about them. He's not forgotten them. And people that go out and visit like that, which, by the way, just mention that in case you were to want to come out and visit some of those times, you you definitely would be blessed by it. Uh, every time I talk to Brother uh, John and Miss Shirley Rose, you know, they've been or I, I'll go and visit someone and and the Rose uh, Roses and uh, and also the Garveys and different ones have already have already been there. But the times I talk to them, they say things like this, you know, Brother Jason, we go to try to be a blessing to uh, brother or sister so and uh, sister so and so and and uh, we're the ones that obviously that come away with the blessing. Well, it's good for those folks that are confined to know that Southwest Baptist Church and God has not forgotten them. God did not forget about this man here in in the book of Acts that was confined uh, for those eight years. Another class I wanted to mention here tonight is the Overcomers class, and uh, some of you work in the Overcomers class and. And uh, some of those that come in and are part on Sunday mornings here, one of the Sunday school classes called the Overcomers, 
special needs individuals, varying in different types of needs, many of whom would not be able to come to church if some folks here uh, that are here tonight uh, didn't take the time to go and uh, run a bus that has a lift and such that's going to be able to accommodate a wheelchair and, and other needs that they have. Hey, listen, I want to thank God that God cares about those individuals. You know, it may be that you haven't ever been to that class. Uh, so many uh, here tonight have worked in that um, area. And uh, they, they uh, share regular testimonies about how that God is at work in the lives of those individuals, how their hearts are tender towards God, and how they love missions. That's a constant theme that I'm hearing. And, and uh, many of the individuals there in the overcomers class taking the time to go out and pass out tracts. And uh, it's, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. I, I just want to thank God that he cares about those who may have physical limitations. They're not forgotten by God. It's good. It's good for us to care about those individuals. Well, Peter met such a man. He met a man named Ananias, And I may say his name a hundred different ways tonight, but you know uh, his name there and how that uh, he was blessed and how God intervened in his life. And, and I love what Peter said to him in verse uh, number 34. Look at it again, if you would. He said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. He made a declaration there. He said, I want you to know. Now, was this man a believer? I, I, would, I would suppose so. The Bible doesn't say directly that he was, but if this was the time that he came to Christ, it may have said something else about, about the fact of his salvation at that point. But it's most likely that he was one of the disciples, just as those that Peter was traveling about this area and visiting some of the disciples who were either saved and then were dispersed because of the, the persecution or... Uh, of course, Philip made his way up this direction uh, there north and west of Jerusalem previously. And maybe they were saved as a result of that. We don't know all their background, but, but I would say that this man was saved. He was probably one of the disciples that were there, but he had this physical ailment. And, and Peter said that Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. In other words, he's saying this. I want you to know, Aeneas... Jesus is still very active in people's lives. And he makes you whole. And so Peter tells him this, make thy bed. See, young people, it's biblical to make your bed. Is that what that's saying? No, that's not the intent. But what he's saying is this, Aeneas, you don't need somebody else to take care of you anymore. You can take care of yourself. Arise. Can you imagine the joy that came to this man's life as he stood for that that first time in eight years and he was no longer paralyzed and, and no doubt he would uh, leap about. And I'd demonstrate that again tonight, but that didn't go so great the last time I did that. And so I'm going to leave that one alone. But this man was, was excited, no doubt, about the change that had come. And, and evidently word got out about it there in, in Lydda. And, and the Bible says that as a result of this, many people turned to the Lord. You see, the gospel went to new territory. How? Because a man named Peter learned about an individual that had a need. He responded to that need. He was led by God. He met that need. He did what he did and through the power of God. And as a result of that, many people turned to Christ. Many people were saved. The gospel came to new territory. The gospel is going further because a man was sensitive to God's leadership in his life. So the gospel went into new territory. Catch this. One step at a time and one person at a time. That's how, how the gospel came in that situation into new territory. Now, let's consider verse 36 through, uh, through 43. Now, it says that there was at Joppa, not Joplin, but Joppa, 
a certain disciple, a lady, a, a Christian lady named Tabitha. If you're in Kentucky, it's Tabitha. Okay, but Tabitha, uh, here in this account, Tabitha, and her Greek name is Dorcas, and I can see why she'd go by Tabitha. But nonetheless, Tabitha, and the name means gazelle or a, a deer, and and how that she was just a kind-hearted lady. I'm telling you, the Bible really says a lot about this lady and how that she was very thoughtful of others. In fact, look at it again in verse number 36. It says that she was full of good works, full of good works and alms deeds, full of good works and alms deeds. Ladies, you can have quite a ministry here at Southwest Baptist Church, and you do. So many of you do. I'm so glad you don't have to be called to preach to be used of God. Yep. And ladies, you won't be called to preach, so, but you still can be used of God in a great, in a great, great way. The Bible says this lady was full of good works. That means this. She was continually doing kind deeds. Alms, alms as, it, as it says there, uh, alms deeds and such and, and acts of charity. She was busy doing good things for others. Why? So that she could be saved? Well, no. Remember, it said she was a disciple. She did those good things because she was saved and cared about people. Matthew Henry said this, Many are full of good words, who are empty and barren in good works. But Tabitha was a great doer, not a great talker. She was a good doer. She didn't talk about doing good things. She wasn't full of good words, though no doubt she was in the sense of being encouragement, but she was full of good works. And I believe that our faith has got to get past talking about doing good things to actually doing good things. And that was this lady, Tabitha, and she was a real blessing to others. And, and evidently, God took great note in what she did for others. And you, listen, tonight, you may... You, you may at times uh, perhaps be discouraged or think, you know, nobody notices what I'm doing, but I'm telling you something, God notices. He takes note of it. He took note of it in the life of Tabitha, and he noticed what she did for others, and, and evidently she made uh, clothing, and, and maybe she was a woman of means. I, I don't know. The Bible seems to indicate that she had means, and, and this may have even been her home where the believers were meeting. We don't know all the details, but, but she was a blessing to others. In fact, when she passed away, the Bible tells us that there were widow ladies who were there, and they were showing Peter what what Tabitha had made. How would they do that? Well, it's evidently what they were wearing because Tabitha had made this. And they said, look what she made uh, for me two or three years ago. Look what she did here. And, and this was an industrious lady. You know, there's ladies right here in this church who visit others. I, I'm talking about in, in a regular way. Thank God for ladies who bake things for others. I'm not asking for anything. I'm just simply saying... <laughs> I better be careful how I say that. Thank God for those who, who do kind deeds in, uh, in cooking and baking for others, making things for others. Just made a visit here just recently, and, and uh, a grandma was making a, uh, a blanket uh, for a, a great-grandson uh, or daughter or, or maybe grandson or daughter. I can't remember which, but in any case, making things for others. Listen, that, that communicates. That makes a huge, huge difference. Ladies uh, who clean houses for others that are in need. We have some who stay with the sick. Um, 
make meals for the sick and but literally stay the night with some that are that are in in need or stay at the hospital and relieve family members so that they can go home i'm telling you that's quite a ministry and others that, that send cards i think about miss mary houston i'm not sure if she's here tonight but I, let me just ask you how many of you received a card from miss mary houston would you mind to raise your hand okay now look around raise, raise your hand real high okay look around look at that. my soul that's a, that's incredible i knew it'd be quite a few yeah that's a blessing and the reason that she did that, like many of you, I know you send cards, and uh, but she's done that because she doesn't want people to be forgotten when they're in a time of need. Well, you know, now she's in a time of need. What should we do? Let's just all have a big uh, card writing or letter writing uh, uh, effort here and send her a card, you know. But God takes note of those things. And if she's here, I certainly don't mean to embarrass her in any way, but, but uh, you know, that's quite a ministry. I remember a lady back at Meadowview Baptist Church where I pastored there and in Republic, Missouri, Miss Helen Majors, and um, our our Sunday school started at 10 a.m. and she would arrive at 9 a.m. and the reason she would arrive at 9 a.m. is because as time went on, her driving was not as good as it used to be, and so she would want to be one of the first ones there so that she could back her car in. She had a real nice Impala. I'm telling you, it was. I forget what year it was, but it, I mean, it really would have been a great teenage guy's car, you know. And so anyways, she would get there early and, and she would back into a certain uh, parking spot so that she could leave. You remember this brother Ray and such a dear lady, she'd park just so that she could just pull straight out and not hit anybody. It was a real blessing, you know, that she would think ahead, you know, that way. And, and then, and then we went ahead and striped the parking lot. It wasn't striped it uh, for a long time, but we raised the funds to stripe the parking lot, and that just threw her completely off. And that was the only grievance she ever shared with me is, "Why did you stripe it? Now I have to park within a certain area. Before it was just kind of, you know, it was there, but it just wasn't within a boundary." So <laughs> that's not my point, but <laughs> I'm telling you, she was such a dear lady. And she would arrive there at, at uh, 9 o'clock, and here was her ministry. We'd run the bulletins, and we could have folded, folded them, you know, earlier in the week. But it was her ministry every week to fold those bulletins. And uh, that, was, that was her act of kindness. She wanted to do it. Well, I'm telling you, that was a blessing. And uh, she was a blessing, you know, just to our family in terms of things that she gave us. And, and um, you know, it was just a relief just to go over and sit in her house and visit for a little while. Yep, just a real joy there. You know, you don't have to make a whole bunch of money to be a big blessing, to make a, make a difference. Here was Tabitha. I don't know what her financial means were, but, but she used what she had and she did what she did to be a blessing to others. Well, in the course of time, it says in verse 37 that she was sick. And the one that was a caregiver found herself to be in a place needing care. And that would be the story even of many that are here uh, even tonight. And it also tells us that in the process of time that she passed away. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I look at the Helen Majors of life and different ones and think, God, why uh, just leave them here? They're such a blessing. You know what I mean? But God knows what he's doing. And he, uh, he's merciful and compassionate to us to not leave us here for all of eternity. Listen, heaven is so much the better. Yeah. But here's a lady that dearly loved the people of the church and did so much for them, and she passed away. 
the disciples at this time did something that was very unique. They, they didn't do the typical uh, burial routine that they would normally do. In fact, they, they placed her in the upper room. That's not normal. That's not a normal custom. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about why exactly they did that, but given that they sent a couple individuals for Peter and they had just heard about Aeneas who was just healed miraculously and they knew the power of God, it may be that these believers said, you know, even though this seems like an impossible situation, we believe God can do something. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that, but that might be what it was. So they placed her in an upper room and sent for Peter to come uh, very quickly. Peter came, and as he came into that room, I'm sure it was quite a scene as, as uh, they were gathered uh, there and the widow ladies were showing what Tabitha did for them and how uh, much of a blessing that she had been. And Peter did this. He told everyone to leave, and he knelt down and he prayed. Uh, can I just say this? Peter didn't make a big show of this deal. He, he didn't, you know, if it was modern times, somebody would have had a television camera there. You know, to show this and to make a big deal about it. Peter didn't do that. He wasn't in it for show. He said, everyone out. You know, that's exactly how his master did it, how the Lord Jesus did it. And he would take James and John and Peter with him. And so he saw what Jesus did, and he knew that Jesus didn't do this for show. He did it for care and for love. And so he ordered everyone out, and, and the Bible says that Peter knelt down there beside, beside her and prayed, and then he turned to her, and this seems so strange to us, doesn't it, you? And, and uh, he turned to her and he said, Tabitha, he called her name, arise. And when he said her name, through the power, remember, it's not the power of Peter, but the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, her eyes opened, and she came back to life. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a little bit of a imagination that may be out there. But I, I think about when Peter came back downstairs and the widow ladies were there and all the rest of the church that was gathered that was there. And they, <laughs> can you imagine? Tabitha coming down the, down the chair, stairs there and coming into the room and everyone thinking, hey, you're not dead. <laughs> this was amazing. Well, word began to spread and, and covered that territory. And this, by the way, I failed to mention, but this area of Joppa was definitely Gentile territory. It was uh, deep into Gentile territory. And so great things happened here. And notice what the Bible says there that because of, of her, it says in verse number 42, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed, they were convinced of the truth of the gospel, many believed in the Lord as a result of this woman uh, being raised back to life. So here we had Aeneas, Aeneas rather, and Tabitha, who God did great things in their life. He made a difference in their life. And as a result of that, the gospel began to spread further. And it spread further, and now it's up in Joppa, and then chapter 10 is where the gospel goes to Cornelius all the way up into Caesarea. And then from Caesarea, in fact, chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13 and the rest of the book of Acts is a result of what happens here. But never forget that it was in a quiet upper room there in, in Joppa and in a place named Lydda, an insignificant place that some might say and maybe insignificant people that a whole lot of people maybe do not know that God began to stage one of the greatest movements of the gospel that we are still seeing the results of it to this very day. 
You see, the gospel advances into new territories one life at a time, one step at a time, but never underestimate the potential of that one life that is reached by the gospel. I think about it in these terms. Never underestimate what God might do this week through the life of one young person at camp. We don't know what God might do in the life of one young person. How God might use them to reach and, and, and might call them to serve on the mission field. And how that this very week, think about it church, this is exciting if we really just let this soak in here for just a moment. As the word of God is preached, and God, I believe God is at work. He was at work here, and I believe that God is at work behind the scenes to, to move the right people on the scene at the right time and to think about what God is doing in the lives of the young people of Suburban up at Silver State and, and think what God is doing there in, in, uh, in, in, at Indian Creek Baptist Camp. And, and as I have opportunity, it's not a large camp that I'm going to be preaching. I think last count there's maybe going to be about 15 to 20 young people there. But you never know what God is going to to do in the life of one and how God might call one and send him or her somewhere and open up new territory for the gospel. Never underestimate what God might do through the life of one young person. Never underestimate what God might do through the life of one bus uh, individual, a person who comes by the bus, a child that rides our bus. Hey, listen, you never know what God might do through that young person that disrupted class this morning. You never know. You don't know what, what God might do in the life of that young boy or girl that you told to sit down about 500 times on the bus ride today. You never know what God might do. Why? Because God works in significant ways through people who seem insignificant to the rest of society. God might have a Tabitha right there. God might have an Aeneas right there. God might have a Peter or a Paul or, or some other person right there that God could just open up a whole new area for the gospel. He could use that, that young person to open up a whole trailer park that could come to Christ. He could use that young person to open up a whole family that could come to Christ. And in fact, we had families here this morning that were a result of vacation Bible school and their daughter was saved and baptized on that Sunday night. And we had occasion even to go and visit them on, on Saturday. And they were here this morning. And, and I'm telling you, God can work in some significant ways when we just follow him step by step and trust the gospel to make a difference in one life at a time because you never know what God might do. There's some territory that needs to be covered for Christ. There's some, I've been driving around and looking. There's some, there's some new apartment buildings that, that have just come in. I'm not sure that we've door knocked those areas, but they need to be knocked. Every door there needs to be knocked. And some new developments uh, down south and around. Listen, there's some new territories that, that are fertile soil, no doubt, for the gospel if we'll just go. Be insensitive. Never underestimate what God might do through that coworker. That you could invite or that you could share the gospel with it at your workplace. Never underestimate what God could do through the life of someone who maybe does have some physical limitations. Never underestimate what God might do through the life of a Christian lady. Never underestimate what God might do through the life of a widow. Never underestimate what God might do through the life of one person who is on the move for the gospel. So what should we do? Let me challenge you with this tonight. We emphasized this Wednesday night about taking the gospel outside these walls. 
Having a church building, someone has said, is one of the greatest hindrances to the movement of the gospel. Say, well, that doesn't seem to make sense. Well, having a church building is not the problem. The problem is if we don't get out of it and take the gospel out of it. And so I want to challenge you this week. And you say, well, you challenged us Wednesday night. I know. This is the book of Acts, and we're going to be challenged about this throughout the rest of the book of Acts. All 28 chapters. I've got one application, several different messages. What do you think of that? I don't know. I, at church, I just believe that God is stirring us up. I, I just believe that maybe there's some who haven't won souls in a long time that need to win souls. Uh, there may be some who haven't, have never shared the gospel and you've been saved a long time. Hey, I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip, but at the same time, God told us to go and share the gospel. And, and, uh, and so I don't, I don't know. I feel like God is really working in our, in our midst to stir us up, to, to be on the front lines of sharing the gospel with people because uh, the vast majority are never going to come to services here, but you can take the gospel to where they are. And maybe God just has this on your pastor's heart just to emphasize this and emphasize this and emphasize this and beat this drum, so to speak, and beat it and beat it and beat it until we all get to marching. Getting in order. Falling in line. Getting in step in sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have a whole lot of time. I don't know how much time we have, but I, the Lord could come today. The Lord could come tonight and... And uh, the Lord could come tomorrow. I don't, I don't know, but I don't know how much time our, your physical health has and our physical time, health has. And I don't know how much time somebody out there living in the society uh, has in, in their life. But I, I know this, they desperately need to hear the message that you and I have already heard. Maybe God's just stirring us up a little bit. to Say, I want you fervently sharing the gospel. There are some new territories where I want to take it. So what should you do? Let me give you this application. We'll be finished here tonight. Number one, pray. Pray for the opportunity. Ms. Mary Ann shared with me that on Sunday, Saturday uh, um, that uh, she prayed for an opportunity, that God would put somebody in her path. After Wednesday night, she prayed that God would put somebody in her path. She met someone, and they were here this morning. Pray. Pray for God to give you that opportunity. Maybe it'd be good for you just to come out. We don't have to come out for visitation to share the gospel, but it helps. I remember the first time I came for visitation, um, you know, I was a teenager. And I went to visitation for the very first time. And all the other teens thought I got saved or something because I showed up for visitation. That was the weirdest thing that I showed up for visitation. Now, I felt weird coming in, you know, my very first time coming in to, to share, to, to try to go out and, and take advantage of that. Maybe, maybe you ought to just come out and, and show up on a Saturday morning. Listen, we have, we have very good biscuits and gravy. That's good soul-winning food, my friend. I'm telling you, that'll, that'll motivate you to share the gospel, no doubt, you know. But good fellowship and all that. But most importantly, it's an opportunity to go out with somebody else that maybe uh, has experience in sharing the gospel. Maybe you ought to make it a purpose. I'm going to come out on Tuesday night. Or I'm going to come out on, on Saturday. Or maybe to come out another day of the week. But the main thing is to go out and talk to somebody about the gospel. Take your street as an assignment from God that God must have placed you there on that, in that neighborhood at such a time as this to share the gospel with the people that live up and down your street. You know, I've, I've been convicted lately because um, there's still, we've lived in our neighborhood 10 years and there's still a lot of people that we haven't met. Or is it like that for you? I feel like I've visited everybody in Oklahoma City except right there on my street. 
You know, I've been all over, all over town and visiting here and visiting there. And, and yet there's people that we're still meeting, still knowing, Hey, you know, I, in fact, I thought about, uh, brother David, I thought about this. Let's just cancel uh, Tuesday night visitations for a while, for about a month and say, look, just go to your street. You don't have to come here. Just go to your street. But we still had need to have fellowship and food because we're Baptists. So we'll still have that. But then you might go back to your street. Just go to your street. Take the time you'd normally go visiting somebody else and go to your street. Yep. Meet the people. Talk to them. Sharing the gospel doesn't have to be a burden. It ought to be just kind of our normal conversation with somebody. That had to be awkward. I mean, it is awkward because it's confrontational. The message is. But, but really, because of our love for the Lord, it ought to motivate us to talk about the one we love the most. I'll tell you the truth. It's easy for me to talk about Angie. You know, I don't mind. I like talking about Angie. I'm telling you, she made some really good homemade ice cream tonight. Yeah, I was tempted not to bring it. I'm telling you, it's that good. Yeah. It's easy for me to talk about her. It's easy for me to tell good things about her. Why? Because of my love for her. Well, it ought to be the same way with the Lord. My love for him and appreciation for what he does ought to just motivate us to share Christ. We're living in a day and time. Brother Dennis Rhodes and I were making some visits a couple uh, Saturdays ago. We're living in a day and time when, when, when repentance is not being emphasized, but repentance is people's greatest needs. Greatest need to, to turn to Christ. And, and so God, as we see maybe a need, as Peter did, he moved to that need and God opened up a door for the gospel. It might go that way. But it may be that you just travel about, as it says here, he went into all quarters just traveling around and, and sharing the gospel with different people. And God might put somebody in your path and, and you can share with them the fact that we've all sinned and that Jesus died in our place, was buried and rose again. And if you will repent and turn to him and away from anything else that you're trusting, that God will save your soul for all eternity. I'm telling you, that's the greatest story ever told. And it is our privilege to tell that story. View the needs of others as an opportunity for the gospel. I really appreciate the testimony Brother Lindsay shared with us and the situation that the family was in there and how God spared their life. Well, yes, they were already evidently saved, but, but it could be that God would just use that or another health situation of someone or a physical situation or maybe even a marriage situation that, that you could come and speak to them. And, and yes, their issues of life are important to God and, and need to be addressed, but their most important need is that of knowing Christ. God may use you to be the one that could break through to a new territory. One final thought here. Follow God in the small moves because those small moves of God are preparing you for a big move. I'm glad Peter was sensitive to God's leadership to go to Lydda and then to go to Joppa because ultimately God is moved. Do you see how God was moving him? He was moving him to Caesarea and how that, that would open up the door to Gentiles to be saved. God moves you in sometimes small moves to move you for a big step. Somebody said to me, Jason, won't you go to camp? I don't want to go to camp. I'm too cool for camp. I thought my mind is a as a 13-year-old, having had life figured out by age 13, why don't you come to camp? Well, I got interested in the girls, so I went to camp. I wasn't following God at all, nowhere near it. Yeah. Well, God used that to get my attention. 
And at camp, God said, I want you to clean out your life. Went home and got rid of a lot of things I needed to get rid of. Camp's good for that. I want you to come to visitation. Came to visitation. I'll never forget sitting there in the church van as my father-in-law. He wasn't my father-in-law then. but He was making a visit at a trailer park. And he and another gentleman from our church. And God put in my heart, I want you to work a bus route. Me? I don't know how to do around kids. But I took the step of working a bus route. I'm telling you, God put it in my heart. And I'd start going visiting after school and and trying to reach kids in trailer parks around the area there. It was, it was great. I want you to preach. And me? Surrender to preach. I want you to go to Baptist Bible College. Study missions. I want you to go and you preach a youth rally at Meadowview Baptist Church. I'm telling you, I was driving out there on I-44, about a 17-mile drive. It was like God put in my heart. Do you know what I'm talking about as far as the voice of God? It's like he said to my heart, you're going to be driving here a few more times. Boy, that we did. Once you be in grad school, once you do your missions internship here at Meadowview Baptist Church, I want you to pray about India. I was praying about India a long time. Then Brother Copes came. That'll mess your life up. Just kidding. I love Brother Copes. Thank God for him. He's my pastor. They're at Meadowview. And in fact, pray for him. His dad passed away, and they're having service tomorrow. Roger uh, Copes, such a dear man. And, but Brother Copes, my pastor, came to me then and said, Would you pray about pastoring here at Meadowview Baptist Church? I'm telling you, it was almost like instantly I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And then uh, Brother Sam. Um, he called and said, hey, could I meet you for a meal? Let's go eat at Lambert's. Well, I'm always in for Lambert's. I thought this is kind of weird that Brother Davidson wants to meet us at Lambert's. But there we were. He wasted no time. We were literally were in line to come in and said, Brother Jason, I want to talk to you about praying, about coming to Southwest Baptist Church and working with the college and career age and the potential of potentially pastoring the church in the transition. I hadn't even got a role yet. I never saw that coming. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? That's, that's in my own personal life, but I, here's what I've learned. I've learned just to follow God in just some of the small moves. Because then if you'll just try to follow him in some of those small moves, even though you may not understand why and you would have preferred to have done something else, or whatever, but if you'll learn to follow him in some of those small moves, God will do some great things. I'm so glad somebody said to me, hey, would you come to camp? That one question started a chain of events in my own life. And think about your life and how you're here tonight. And think about where the gospel needs to go. Are you following God in the small areas? Because his intent is to move the gospel through your life into some large areas. But you've got to follow him. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. I believe that you are moving. I believe that you are preparing your church for something. I don't know as to what exactly. I know that there's a lot of people in this area that need the gospel. I think about the Global Independent Baptist uh, 
fellowship meeting that will be held here in September and as we would give consideration to the six, over 6,900 unreached people groups, as we would consider the vast majority of this world that yet does not know Christ, language groups that do not have the scriptures, the gospel that has never been preached in certain regions. Oh God, please uh, let us not grow complacent, settled and satisfied that, well, we've been here this number of years and you've made this much of a difference. Oh God, please keep us from the status quo. Help us, dear God, just, just at the same time, not to try to do things in our own power and our own strength, but God, would you help us just to be sensitive like Peter was to the movement of the Spirit in our lives so that we could follow you. I pray for individuals that are here tonight. Some are praying about your will for their life, God, where you want them. Some maybe are away from you and have things that need to be cleaned out in their own life. God, I pray that you'd help them to be obedient to your Spirit. Those that need to take on a new ministry or, or God, to speak to a new person. Father, whatever it is that you're prompting the hearts to do, God, would you help us to be an obedient church individually and also as a corporate body, I pray in Jesus' name.